DW Africa Link we are already eight days into the year 2024. Time flies indeed. Hello and welcome to the program giving you updates from Africa and beyond. I am Okiri Gushinado. And I am Eddie Micah Jr. And you're right, Kiki, time flies indeed. <laughs> Join us on Facebook at DW Africa and share your thoughts on the stories we're covering. Coming up, was it an attempt to silence Pan-African youth leaders? Mm-hmm. Mixed reactions in Ghana after the government cancels a convention of prominent African speakers. I have no doubt in my mind that there is a conspiracy of sorts by the elements that it has happened the way it has happened. So this is not an occasion for lamentation. It is an occasion for redoubling our efforts. Okay, that conference was organized by political activist and businessman Nana Kwame Bidiako. But who is he really? I am interested in the regions and the humans. I am interested in the countries. I am interested in the continent. The great opportunities to be able to prove a point to the world that this is what we can make out of ourselves as a black society. Mm -hmm, Indeed. Stay tuned for the details. But first, we bring you the world news in brief. DW News. Welcome to the news. My name is Jen Nyinge. Ukrainian officials say Russia launched a large-scale missile attack early today, prompting an air raid alert for the entire country. Ukraine's Air Force said that the that across the country it shot down 18 out of more than 50 cruise and ballistic missiles launched by Russia. Officials said the attacks killed several people and injured many others. DW's Mark Sander has the latest from Ukraine's capital, Kiev. What has been reported so far is that at least three people have been killed in these attacks and at least another 33 people were injured. Um, there also has been an impact to the energy grid in that particular region with power outages as a, as a consequence of that. Now, um, these attacks, um, they are of a smaller scale compared to what we have witnessed here in Ukraine uh, at the beginning, at, at the end of last year and the beginning of this year. Doctors and patients are fleeing the main hospital in Gaza due to fighting between Israeli forces and Hamas militants. A team from the World Health Organization visiting the Al-Qasa hospital in central Gaza said it must be protected. Meanwhile, German Foreign Minister Annalena Baerbock has called for a greater protection of Gazan civilians during her diplomatic tour of the Middle East. It's her fourth visit to the region since the October 7 attacks. Today she visited a Palestinian village in the West Bank and here is what she said after meeting the people there. And this is why we are calling on the Israeli government to not look away when radical settlers are threatening Palestinian people, but to take up their obligation of protecting Palestinians living here on their own territory. And we are here because we want to underline that a two-state solution is of high importance for the future of both Israelis and Palestinians. Farmers across Germany have begun a week-long strike to protest the government's plan to cut agricultural subsidies. Tractor rallies and protests have already begun to disrupt traffic and train services in most parts of the country. Protests have also closed a major road in the center of Berlin. This news is coming to you from DW in Bonn, Germany. 
armed cattle rustlers have killed at least 17 people and injured more than 30 others over the past two days in Duke County in Jonglei, South Sudan's largest region. The rustlers stole more than 7,000 cattle. Here is the Information Minister in Jonglei region, Elizabeth Nyamban. And President Said Abdullah Hideni has been re-elected as the leader of Somali's semi-autonomous region of Puntland after months of electoral disputes. He was voted back with 45 votes by members of the Puntland's parliament on Monday. For more news and information, head on to our website dw.com forward slash Africa. My name is Jen Nyingi. Thank you, Jane, for the news. And thank you guys for staying tuned in to the program. I am Eddie Micah Jr. And with Eddie is Okering Gushinado. Remember to comment on the stories we are covering. That is on our Facebook page, DW Africa. I already see some of you joining in. Monju Iranios, uh, greetings to you as well. And James um, Kobe Brown, who is watching from Ghana. That is actually our oh. top story well, for today. Well, that sets the ball rolling for mm-hmm. us then. Because Ghana's government cancelled a high-profile Pan-African event at the last hour, right? Imagine you organize an event. Mm-hmm. Last hour, you're being told, well, that's not going to happen, right? That's exactly how this happened. That has dominated discussions on social and traditional media platforms. Speakers like Kenya's Professor Pielo Lumumba, Dr. Arikana Chumbori Kwao from Zimbabwe, and Peter Obi of Nigeria, they were all billed to speak. Mm-hmm. And access to the venue was also blocked by armed men forcing the event to be called off. Mm-hmm. There's also been speculation early that the event was going to endorse a new political movement led by businessmen called Nana Badiako, pop- popularly known as Cheddar. Mm-hmm. Isaac Aleji from Accra has more on this report. <laughs> Scores of angry young people express their displeasure at armed security men blocking access to Ghana's Black Star Square in the capital Accra on Sunday evening. They had traveled from all over the country and beyond for a Pan-African rally dubbed the Convention 2024. But at the last hour, attendees learned that the program had been cancelled, a total blow to them. These young people were hoping to hear from Pan-Africanists like Kenyan Professor PLO Lumumba, Dr. Arikana Chihumbori Kwe from Zimbabwe and Peter Obi of Nigeria. But a statement from the government said the decision to revoke the permission to use the venue was prompted by the emergency of an unforeseen state event scheduled to take place at the same venue. And Africa is about to grow because we are ready to add value to humanity, to the people who are Africans. Businessman Nana Kwame Bidiaku, who heads the New Africa Foundation, was behind the planned event. His perceived political activism campaign under the banner The New Force, projected by Billboard's ads with a masked man, had dominated social media for months. But he denies that the event was to help outdoor this new movement. And I want my absence to be felt. And for that reason, I know you're looking for the man. But the man in the mask is sitting in front of you. I am nothing to be scared of. And truly, these innocent leaders sitting beside me, of course I will not go to them and tell them that, 
hey, I am a man in a mask and I want you to come to Ghana to support me to do this and this. And this man of this dignity and this woman with such power will say, yes, I'm going to follow you to come to Ghana to do your convention and all of that. No. Dr. Arikana Chihombo Rikui from Zimbabwe told reporters that she and her colleagues weren't in Ghana to support the said political activism, which may have triggered the government's action. So for those who are saying we are here to support him, uh, further his political ambitions, that is a damn lie. Professor Pierre Olumumba of Kenya blames the incident on a conspiracy to thwart the Pan-African agenda. He wants this to rather spur young people on to push forward. And you who are here, young and old, you are the conduit via which we are now telling the world that the journey of hope continues apace, not only within the continent of Africa, which is the mother continent, but to Africans in the diaspora. I have no doubt in my mind that there is a conspiracy of sorts by the elements that it has happened the way it has happened. So this is not an occasion for lamentation. It is an occasion for redoubling our efforts. There is no signal of a new date and venue for this event. But the cancellation is already dominating headlines in the local media. For some young people, though, the disappointment will linger on for a while. Isaac Elegi in Ghana with that report. But, Eddie, I think the big question is, who is this Nana Kwame Badiako, right? <laughs> you nearly who, killed yeah, it. <laughs> who, who is he? <laughs> well, yeah, first of all, he's a perceived political activism and movement is what people are saying that uh, may have forced the Ghanaian government to cancel the said Pan-African event, right? Mm-hmm. But let's find out more about him. Uh, Isaac Kaleji, our correspondent on the ground, did this portrait of him. It's now presented by Eunice Wanjiru. Nana Kwame Bediako, also known as Freedom Jacob Caesar, or Cheddar in Ghana, is a well-known businessman who resonates with many young people in Ghana and across Africa. Turning 44 next month, he owns several real estates, finance and property management businesses in Ghana and beyond. He was born in Kumasi, Ghana's Ashanti region. He schooled in Ghana for a while before moving to the UK for further studies. So who inspired him to greater heights? I grew up in a farmland somewhere in Ghana, in Kumasi. And I was birthed by a woman who is a spiritualist. And she raised me on a farmland. But she raised me with the fear of the Lord. And she gave me a capital. The capital was the advice she gave me. She said, son, learn how to give to the world. And the world will always come embracing you. Bediako started his business career with an investment in a poultry farming. Nana Bediako has been into scrap metal collection and sales businesses, telecommunication and online transactions. After raising enough capital from these businesses, he returned to Ghana to start his real estate, finance and property management businesses. His Kuala's group has constructed 500 units of residential, commercial and industrial buildings. He also runs a foundation called New Africa Foundation. That was in the name then but we were givers. So we have been givers for three decades. And it grew 
and it grew and it grew. But I thought that having a foundation was just about giving. As it was growing, I realized that it's also about being responsible for the society you belong to. Budiako hasn't been politically aligned since returning to Ghana, but last year he was rumored he had started a political movement called the New Force. Several giant billboards mounted across the city with the masked man sparked social media discussions. He was believed to be the man behind the mask pushing for a new political movement. He has confirmed this but said he isn't going into partisan politics or seeking to run for president. I am not interested in people's positions. I am not interested in presidential positions. I am interested in the regions and the humans. I am interested in the countries. I am interested in the continent, the resources here, the human resources here, the great opportunities to be able to prove a point to the world that this is what we can make out of ourselves as a black society. Okay. That was a report put together by our very own Isaac Kaleji. Mm-hmm. Presented by Eunice Wanjiru. And uh, Okiri, as you'd expect, a lot of people are mm-hmm. uh, airing their thoughts on our Facebook page, DW Africa. Let's check out some yeah, of Yes, so we've asked on our page, what do you think could have triggered the cancellation? Mm. Now, we have a comment here from Winston Manga that says, the African Renaissance is on the horizon. I see fire lighting up little by little. Pan-Africanism is the way out. There will come a time when they won't handle it anymore. That sounds very deep. Who, mm-hmm. Who's they? Who's they that will not handle it Could it be it uh, the government or the, the prisons? Hmm. I don't know who that okay. is. Yeah. Winston Manga, let us know exactly who the, they are. Right, Suli Berinyu says the government and their colonial masters will make efforts to stop such conventions so that our youth won't be enlightened with the reality. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ebenezer Manza says it's obvious the government was scared of the youth knowing the truth. I don't know. All the all those comments seem very ominous that maybe the uh, convention was stopped because maybe they they knew something, they knew some information, and that's what they wanted to um, exactly. give out. Exactly. I mean, if the, 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 the fact of the matter is, if you look at all the people, most of the people that were built to speak, mm-hmm. they are very strong, opinionated people about you know, how how leadership should be on the continent. And of course, you have issues with how some governments uh, rule and talking about how Africa is still really set back and has a long way to go. So clearly that's where people are coming from. But the truth is, the government's excuse was that there was due to an event that was going to be happening on the event ground. But hey, keep sharing your thoughts with us on our Facebook page, DW Africa. You are listening to DW's Africa Link program with me, Kiri Kushinado. And I am Eddie Micah Jr. Join us on our Facebook page, DW Africa. That's where the show is live. And we also appreciate our listeners via our partner stations around the world. Mm-hmm. But Eddie, there's still more to come. Um, President William Ruto has softened his tone on the ju- judiciary following last week's tension after he accused the courts of being corrupt. But did Ruto go too far with the sentiments? I'm 100% sure that William Ruto picked a wrong fight when he picked on the judiciary. And William Ruto is definitely going to be embarrassed and he's going to lose badly. Okay, that's definitely coming up in a bit. But let's start with this. Angry you took to the streets on the outskirts of Conakry. They blocked roads and burnt ties in protest against fuel scarcity in the country. Now, police and the army 
were using tear gas and light bullets to disperse the angry protesters. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned, Eddie, the protest is because of the fuel shortage situation in the country, yeah. um, especially after the main fuel depots um, caught fire two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Now, due to heightened tension in the country, the government has decided to um, this morning to temporarily close all schools in the country until next week. Um, to find out more on this situation, I spoke to DW correspondent Karim Kamara to give us an update on the ground. The, the protest is still going on, and the main roads leading to the city centre are really blocked by angry youth who are mounted roadblocks and boarding tyres. And they started this since last night, and it, is, and it still continues. And uh, we can hear, even hear, uh, intermittent gunfire from the security forces and towards the angry youth. Uh, the the filling stations here, top till now, as we speak, and um, people are lining up there for and uh, for, for for petrol. They're hopeful that they will get. Some of them have been there since since yesterday, and up to now they couldn't get even a, a, a liter. And um, like um, this dri- this hungry driver who is expressing his, his view on the, what he has gone through. The PZR moist. Since yesterday, I have been at this filling station. I do not even have a liter. I am hungry. Where am I now? My children are calling to say, "Where are you, Dad?" We are really suffering. At filling stations, there is nothing. When you go to a filling station, you hear them saying there is fuel, but when you park your car, you get nothing. We are really suffering. Now, this is not the first time that the protest is taking place. We also saw in December where angry youths also took to the streets and are throwing stones at the police and so on. What exactly do the youth want? Well, the youth want um, decent uh, employment as um, the junta promised them when the earlier took power and um, in uh, 2009, and um, so I should say, if I'm not mistaken at all, and um, so they promised them to say they will give them decent employment, and they will also create um, an environment that will make sure that um, Guineans are free, and um, so things like this. And now um, the entire population, not even the youth, but the population, the population is accusing the junta of reneging from the earlier, from the earlier promises they took. And now we are experiencing like um, internet being blocked and um, famous radio stations and televisions also being jumped and by and their frequency stopped. And then um, there is no employment for the youth and the insecurity is, is high. And then um, this is why um, the youth are now on the street to make sure that uh, their living conditions are improved and the government and the junta and then give them decent employment. But since the junta have no solution to um, to, 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 to demands by the angry youth and the junta are tight lips and they couldn't say anything up till now. Mm-hmm. Now experts say that the country needs 17 litres of fuel to get by and I mean that was also compromised with the fact that um, with the oil explosion last month. Where is Guinea expecting to get this fuel from? Well, um, Guinea, um, the government is in negotiations with, with um, neighboring countries like um, Sierra Leone and Ivory Coast. But um, uh, over the weekend, the prime minister with the high power delegations, we are in free time to sign and, um, an agreement with the Sierra Leone government to supply them with something like um, 16 million liters of petrol. So that agreement was signed um, last week. So they get back to, to Conakry and um, they say uh, they... Guineans should wait, and petrol, uh, petrol is on the way to, uh, to Conakry. And then due to the gravity and due to the seriousness of the matter, um, the government was even compelled um, to uh, the ask uh, schools to close today and for about a week. 
So they say so that they'll be able to and um, perfectly distribute petrol all across the country. But um, people are just saying that um, going to school has nothing to do with petrol, even though uh, some of um, the school pupils are in distances and they have to just take their motorbike or get load on, on taxi cab to their schools. So they rely on Sierra Leone because the agreement they had wanted to sign with Ivory Coast last month up till now didn't work. Because every coast told them that they would, they would supply Guinea like something um, over 20 million liters of petrol monthly. But they say uh, they have to go into negotiations with the price. So this is what um, Guinea is looking forward to uh, at least and then um, to be able to achieve with, with every coast. But it's like they fall apart um, due to the price. I was speaking to DW correspondent Karim Kamara in Guinea. We will keep you updated with that story as it develops during the week. Mm-hmm. Now we move on to Kenya, where there is where there was a lot of drama between President William Ruto and the judiciary, where Ruto publicly criticized the judiciary, accusing some judges of corruption. That's right. Now, President William Ruto has softened his stance on the judiciary, calling for cooperation among all arms of government. The president, who kicked off a storm last week, he actually vowed to disregard court orders. He emphasized now the importance of putting aside supremacy battles that could hinder Kenya's economic growth. Mm -hmm. Now, speaking yesterday during a church service, Ruto changed his tone and stated that leaders from all three branches of government should prioritize creating employment opportunities for Kenyan youth instead of engaging in disputes. Now, with more on this issue, DW's Andrew Wasike brings us this report from Nairobi. Protests are brewing in Kenya as tensions rise between President Ruto and the judiciary. This week, the simmering standoff between President William Ruto and the Kenyan judiciary might just boil over as there are planned nationwide protests in defense of the court's independence. The flashpoint? President Ruto's recent scathing criticism of the judiciary, accusing some judges of corruption and obstructing government progress with biased rulings. This stems from recent court rulings striking down key initiatives such as the two flagship policies on housing and health care. Despite softening his stand on the judiciary as a whole being targeted, Ruto said he will only go for those who are corrupt and biased in a church service this past weekend. Lawyers and civil society groups have condemned the president's statements, warning of a potential erosion of the rule of law and separation of powers. The Law Society of Kenya, among other organizations, have set up protests this week against the president's attacks on the judiciary. Eric Deuri is the president of the Law Society of Kenya. It is imperative that as the head of state, he must comply with the constitution where he has evidence of corruption within the judiciary. Kenya's opposition leader Raila Odinga added fuel to the fire by calling for nationwide protests in defense of the judiciary this week. Meanwhile, Ruto's supporters defend his stance, arguing that he's simply holding the judiciary accountable for what they perceive as biased rulings. Kenyan lawyer Ahmed Nasir Abdullahi has defended Ruto's stand on the judiciary and its activities. He says he's among people who have advised Ruto on revamping the judiciary. And one of the things I've advised him so many times is about the judiciary, uh, the need to reform the judiciary because, you know, how endemic corruption is, how the judiciary will be very active player in a negative manner in the 
politics, the economy, and the social progression of society. The clash between Kenya's executive and judiciary raises critical questions for democracy. Can they find common ground or will escalating differences threaten stability and development? Political analyst Lee McQueen argues that the judiciary's independence is constitutionally protected and criticizes Ruto's move as a risky attack. I'm 100% sure that William Ruto picked a wrong fight when he picked on the judiciary. And William Ruto is definitely going to be embarrassed and he's going to lose badly to the judiciary. William Ruto's reform credentials is also questionable. And because of his past reform credentials, which is questionable, nobody is going to take William Ruto seriously. While tensions between the Kenyan presidency and the judiciary are not unprecedented, the current situation under President Ruto is undoubtedly a significant escalation. Past presidents, including Mwai Kibaki and Uhuru Kenyatta, have also expressed frustrations with certain court rulings, occasionally resorting to rhetoric that questioned the judiciary's impartiality or threatened its independence. However, these instances were typically isolated incidents, rarely reaching the level of sustained public criticism and direct accusations of corruption seen under President Ruto's administration. Experts have warned that there is a risk that this could continue to escalate, leading to further political instability and potentially even a constitutional crisis. That was Andrew Wasike with that report in Nairobi. Quick comment on our Facebook page, TW Africa. Paul Macaulay says, Kenya is one of Africa's largest democracies. Kudos. Mm-hmm. Kotso Evans says, yet here in Ghana, President Akufo Ado, with the help of the ju- judiciary, can bend the law to suit his agenda. Yeah, so it's, it's shots fired. You know, <laughs> people will definitely <laughs> will love to have the chance to, to lay it out there. But hey, yeah, keep, keep letting us know your thoughts. Africa Link. Sport. And football is back this weekend with the African Cup of Nations and Bundesliga all coming up. Mm-hmm. That is up this weekend, actually, Afcon. And I mean, I spoke to Buba Jallo and he brought us the latest um, that is happening or what to expect from Afcon and the national teams. Oh, first of all, I'm excited. I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. Football is back and especially AFCON mm-hmm. is back. And we're all very uh, looking forward to this particular tournament on the 13th of January, which is the opening match. And, uh, well, of course, the North African teams traditionally do well at AFCON. Uh, but this time around, uh, you also have those West African teams, especially surprisingly the Gambia is uh, uh, extremely, extremely strong. So that is something you need to watch out for. Uh, they find themselves, though, in Group C. That is the deadly group. Um, who are the teams that we can expect in Group C? Actually, Group C has Cameroon on the top spot, mm-hmm. followed by Gambia, Guinea, and Senegal. I mean, Guinea is very strong. They have the Shehu Gerasi from the Bundesliga, who is their number nine there, and he's at the moment the second highest goal scorer in the Bundesliga. He should have been leading, but he was injured, so Hurricane at the moment mm-hmm. is leading that. I mean, we're also seeing a lot of teams are kind of gathering their, um, the international players, like Sadio Mane is coming back for Senegal and so on. So I think everyone is preparing hands-on. Like you mentioned, um, North Africa is kind of like the team to watch. Morocco are favourites, especially since the FIFA, the last FIFA match with the uh, semi-finals um, historic run. Can they repeat this in the AFCON? Can we see them go towards the end? I think, yes. I think uh, they are the favourite to win this particular um, uh, tournament um, because of the 
basic fact that this is their golden generation. Mm -hmm. Every country usually get to have a golden generation. Morocco is having this one right now. And the interesting part of it is that in this Moroccan team, there aren't like, you know, like, you know, you have, you'd say Sadio, Sadio Mane when you think of Senegal or you'd say for Egypt, uh, Mo Salah. Whereas they said that the Moroccan team, every individual player is doing extremely well for the teams they play for, both in Africa and in Europe and uh, uh, in other places. Mm -hmm. So they are extremely, extremely strong team and they're very harmonized in a way. So that's why it's hard to beat them. What would you say your top three teams are to watch out for? That, that, is, that is what I'm interested Obviously, in. Obviously, I'm going to go for my country, yes. like Guinea. Okay, okay. <laughs> Who I else? think Guinea is strong uh, because of um, they have um, uh, Nabi Keta, who is their captain at the moment, and they also have um, Sheo Gerasi, the leading scorer, and they have a lot of young talent coming up there as well. But obviously, you have to give it to Senegal. Senegal, mm-hmm. uh, led by Sadio Mane, they have their, their coach is extremely brilliant. It's just, it's just smart. And um, I, I'm also watching forward to what Cameroon is doing. And we see the Bundesliga is also resuming this weekend after um, a yes. short summer break. But what teams will lose out um, in the Bundesliga games because they are part of taking part of the Afcon? Yeah, you see, the tabletop at the moment is Bayer Leverkusen. Mm-hmm. Surprise, surprising. But they have four African players uh, that are not going to be taking part in this. In, in at least, let's say if they make it all the way to the final of AFCON, they would lose six games in the Bundesliga. That is bad. That is really bad. Uh, Sheu Girassi, of course, who plays for Farbe Stuttgart, he might also lose the opportunity of winning uh, the Golden Boot in Germany. But Bayern Leverkusen would be one team that would lose a lot. I would say, in this case, Stuttgart might lose a bit, but the team that would be losing more would be Bayern Leverkusen, who are at the top of the table right now. That is Buba Jalo with an update on AFCON as well as the Bundesliga, which is on this weekend. So, Eddie, you mm. got to prepare for that. Yeah, I mean, regarding the AFCON, I have an issue <laughs> with uh, Buba, who didn't mention Ghana as uh, ah. one of the teams to look out for. I mean, <laughs> we got we got to deal with this. But hey, guys, thanks a lot for your time on the show. And uh, keep us uh, posted on our Facebook page, DW Africa. I am Eddie Michael Jr. And I am Okiri Ngushinato. DW Mid for Minds